joined the Salady Mania podcast. I'm your co-host Nadine Sue, and thank you for being here for episode two. By my side, I have our sound engineer Mark Mondoy, and ladies and gents, here is your host Benson Sue. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hi, guys. Are you guys ready? We got this. Is episode two? I was born ready. Already. You're. You. <laughs> I don't want to argue, but okay. Maybe you were born ready, but. This is episode two. The season is flying by so quick. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm always right. It, I don't know. I feel like uh, it's not going fast enough. I want, I want to crank these out faster, but, you know, we, we both work full time and we have to work around other people's schedules and there's a lot of effort put into uh, the editing all, of all of it. So I know. Thank you, Mark. It can only Mark. go so fast. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. There's a lot of work. And, um, you know, thank you, especially because I'm getting a lot of like positive feedback from people saying how good the audio quality is. So uh, that's just a testament to your abilities and all the hard work that you do. Yeah. You're thank you, Mark. Putting more pressure on me for these future episodes, but thanks anyway. Oh, <laughs> no, you're doing well, an hey, amazing job. Um, today's episode should sound extra good, right? Yes. Yes. We are recording in our brand new studio here. Um, we have a new dedicated podcast studio and we have all new podcast equipment. And Mark gave me the shopping list of things he wanted me to buy for audio and I, I bought it all. So we are almost ready for having guests in the studio. As soon as, you know, things get a little bit safer, we're going to have all our guests at the round table with us here. But today we're actually all in the same room. We got vaccinated. Yep. We're things are great. Like yep. I feel I feel good. But can you guys in the audience like hear the difference? I I, I hope so. <laughs> Cause that was a lot of money, Mark. Uh, I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway, here we go. I'm gonna introduce to you guys I our second guest of this season, Ken Gushi lives in Montebello, California. He is a professional driver for Toyota Motor North America. Ken's interests include his dog Boba, building cars, fabricating, driving, drifting, sim racing, traveling, and Pokemon Go. What? Ken is not married, hey, just yet. <laughs> Nor does he have any kids, just yet. Ken is the youngest person to compete professionally in the Formula Drift Series. He started at the darling age of 16 years old, and he is in his 17th year driving the series. He has never missed a Formula Drift event. Driving series that Ken has competed in include D1 Grand Prix, Formula Drift, U.S. and International, Pikes Peak International Hill Climb, Grid Life, and Final Bout. Ken is a Japanese citizen but proclaims that he knows nothing about Japan. He is also one of the most mainstream and famous pro drifters we know, okay? So famous that last week, as I was prepping for a newborn baby photo session in my studio, and I was talking to my hair artist, she was talking to me about Ken Gushi. And it was really weird because, you know, I work outside the automotive industry, and I shoot like newborn babies, Yet somehow in our conversation, she brought up Ken's name. So, guys. Did, did she say, hey, <laughs> you know that guy, Ken Gushi? Or she just assumed you knew? No, she asked. Okay. She goes, yeah, do you know that guy? Like, I think his name is Ken Gushi. Do you know him? And she was assuming that I didn't know him. And I'm like, yeah, I know Ken. I've known him for like 
dang, how many years have we known Ken? Like 20 years? <laughs> yeah. 17 years? I don't know. We've known Ken all of his drifting life. So to close his official profile, Ken was drifting at the age of 16 years old, but couldn't legally drive a car till he was 18. So we, we need to hear about that story. Well, anyway, Kenjo, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> oh my God, that was actually quite the intro. I, I'm sure I wrote some of that, but Jeez. <laughs> there's Ken, I, there's you, more. There's more. I wait, didn't even talk all, about your all, driving accolades. I mean, this first is just... of all, can we go back to your uh, the the baby shoot? Yeah, about the girl who asked okay, okay, it wasn't your baby. I want more details. It was not that. okay. Big first good. of all, it's not your newborn baby. <laughs> okay, well, that's off the list, right? <laughs> oh yeah, well, she was working on the set of Sarah Choi's uh, new series about her becoming a oh, pro drifter. Okay. Yep, and yep. and your name came up and, and it was just really random. And I'm like, well, a matter of fact, I do know Ken. And a matter of fact, I will see Ken in a couple of days here at the studio. So it was just it was really random. And it it's like you're so mainstream, dude. Like you're so famous <laughs> that you come up like in random baby shoots, but not because you're That's so funny, you know, not the baby daddy or anything. But Well, I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? There might be like little kids out oh there. Oh my gosh, little Kenshiro's. <laughs> yeah, little Kenshiro's. No, no, I don't think no, I'm so. I'm just kidding. I that's don't not, think so. Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Yeah. Welcome, Ken. Thanks well, for being here for the podcast. No, thank you guys. Um, I think we've actually all known each other for about 20 years, more than 17 years for sure, yep. because I'm 34 now. and <gasps> 34? I was about... Yeah, I think I was like 13 or 14 when I met you guys. How'd you catch up to us? How did I catch up to you guys? Yeah, when I met you guys, you guys were still, you guys were what, like in your 20s? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. 30, wow. Oh, my goodness. Crazy, Ken. huh? All right, Ken. Um, I really need you to start everything off by telling us the story about that stat. Like, why were you drifting at the age of 16, but you really couldn't drive on the street till you were 18? Uh, well, actually, I was driving before 16. So I, I started driving or started drifting when I was uh, 13 years old. <laughs> um, and that was because my dad and I were watching this. I mean, we all know the anime series, right? Initial D. Yeah. Kumi delivers tofu. And so we got hooked on it. Coincidentally, he had a Corolla. He had a couple of Corollas, actually. So we took those cars to El Mirage Dry Lake Bed um, only because his employee at the time was a a dirt bike rider. And he knew, you know, open land that we can take our cars to mm -hmm. and drift without getting in trouble or, you know, having the law enforcement get involved. So it was a perfect place for me to start driving. And so, yeah, we we went to El Mirage Dry Lake Bed and got hooked on it well, how did you immediately. How did you reach the pedals? You are not like a tall kid i'm not and i'm still not unfortunately <laughs> but i think at 13 i was tall yeah. enough okay to reach the pedals yeah i wasn't like i mean i'm not a, you know like a midget or anything <laughs> but uh yeah i i for, let's just say i didn't have a hard time seeing over the dash or reaching the pedals what car was this this was a 1985 toyota corolla gts or a 86 Hachiroku. Your dad's had so many Hachirokus that I can't even remember which one. Even if you told me, I wouldn't be able to know, remember which car that was. Because he's just like gone through so many Hachirokus. 
Yeah, at one point he had 10. So we have this what? old photo from the San Gabriel shop that he had. And we had, let me see, one, two, three, four lifts. All of them had his Corollas on it. And then the rest of his Corollas were parked on the ground by the side. And I counted 10 Corollas. And they were all his. Oh um, now, gosh. imagine we had kept all those. Yeah. The prices in those cars have just skyrocketed in the past five, it's six insane. years. Actually, it's it's insane. It's yeah. insane. It's the same with S13s, but what you know, just way more magnified with Hachidokus. You can't even find a GTS anywhere. No way. Yeah. And if you do, they're either beat up or they cost 30 grand. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I miss that shop, Ken. That shop was so fun. Do you remember we got a cat from that shop? There was a stray cat that your dad would feed all the time and we took him home. Do you remember that? Really? No, I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah. When Nadine and I were dating, she'd uh -huh. always tell me, I want a cat. I want a cat. I'm like, I don't like cats. I don't want a cat. Yeah. And, you know, I'd go to the shop and I forgot which one of the workers, I, I forgot his name, but uh, yeah, he'd always feed this brown cat. And then I was like, you know what? I really love Nadine. I'm going to give her this cat to her. <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> and we, brought, we brought the cat home and we gave it a bath and it was orange and white. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. 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 I think your dad's like, get that freaking cat out of here now. <laughs> I remember that. But yeah, also, I also loved that shop because whenever I'd bring my car to get your dad to work on it, I'd be like, uh, well, you, you're going to keep my car for a while. Um, can I borrow a car? And he would just give me a Hachiroku. <laughs> and it would always be awesome. It's, it's always manual. It always had like uh, some wide uh, Watanabe wheels on it and it was low. So it was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> and guys, we're talking about Gushi Auto in San Gabriel, California. Was that the first shop your dad ever had? That was the first shop that he personally opened up. Yeah. He closed that shop back in 2005. I want to say mm -hmm. five or six. And then he took over another shop in East LA called Asari Auto. Yes. Um, and then he recently sold that shop and now he retired and bought a house in Apple Valley, which is like crazy. 10 minutes away from Grange. Yeah. Apple Valley Speedway. You mean Grange? Grange. <laughs> <laughs> so he's living the high desert life now. High That's desert crazy. life. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's funny. Ken, do you know that Asari is like, distantly related to my family and which is he, the second shop that he bought yeah asari auto like asari he owned the property that we lived at where we lived in the back house remember that oh no way yes really? yes so it's all connected so he's actually wow. a distant family member of mine but um but that was that's crazy the j connection the j connection and you know like i want to kind of kick off the questions with this for you ken is you know you followed in your dad's footsteps because now you have a shop in Temple City, California called Threes Racing. And I'm so proud of you, by the way. Like, oh my gosh, Thank like you. little Ken. Like I, when I think of you, I think of like a 16 year old Ken sitting on my couch. <laughs> like we're watching, I don't even know what we were watching. Option videos, I don't know, anything, 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 funny yeah. movies, eating Cheetos. I, I have no idea, but I just, you know, and now you have a shop and I'm, I'm so proud of you. But like, how do you feel about following in your father's footsteps and like what what brought you to opening your own shop well so i had a bunch of tools i had my corolla um, equipment at my dad's shop uh, before he closed and then um obviously when he sold it we had to take all of our belongings out so i always wanted to sort of rent like a shop space where i can 
I guess, bring all my tools together and just have like a man cave, you know, not, not yep. necessarily a storefront for um, customers that, that's open to the public, but I just wanted a space for myself where I can work on my car in peace, you know, not piss off any other neighbors. <laughs> and so this opportunity came where um, obviously this shop space opened up, um, but it was just too big for me to rent by myself. At the same time, my buddy Ming uh, was about to quit his work at Longo. Um, and he was like, hey, you know, let's go check out this space and maybe we can go on it together. So we came to check it out, ended up being great, but still it's kind of too big for just the two of us also. So I asked my buddy Bobby if he wanted to get in on it. And so uh, it was just like the perfect spot uh, and, and the space for three of us. Uh, and I claimed one corner of the shop space and they took over the rest for general maintenance, um, side projects and whatnot. So came to look at it a week later, we had the keys, started moving everything in. So um, I didn't actually intend on opening a shop front, um, but it just turned out to be that way. And now that we're here, I mean, yeah, like you said, I'm following my dad's footsteps, but it was, uh, you just never know what happens in life, I guess. That's what I'm trying yep. to say is yeah. things can happen so fast. And, you know, now I'm here. And it always works out, right? I mean, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It, There's a weird. lot of challenges that I've seen and that I've faced. Um, but at the end of the day, I feel like it, everything just just works out. Yep. It was meant yeah. to be. That's my motto. Yeah. yeah. I love that. How how big is that shop, by the way? Uh, our shop space is 2,400 square feet. Uh, we have a huge office area, uh, lounge area, and then obviously the shop space in the back. But at the time being, we have one lift and a ton of space, a ton of open space. My GR Supra is here. My, my competition car is also here. Um, it used to be a gritty performance in Irvine, but the drive out there was pretty bad. I mean, yep. pre-pandemic, it was about two hours in traffic one way. So I was just getting really tired of that drive. And also, I didn't have the leisure to stay as late as I wanted to work right. on the car. So it was just perfect to bring the car here and you know, work on it on my own time and my leisure. Nice. So you started talking about when you first started drifting that uh, you were around a bunch of Hachirokus. Mm -hmm. But when I first met you, I remember the first time I saw you was I was driving down Huntington Drive in Arcadia in my still 80. Mm -hmm. And then this champagne like slam to the ground <laughs> coupe drove by with a video option sticker on the on the windshield. You know, the one that went across the windshield? Yeah, yeah. It says V-op. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no one knows what that is. Who the heck was that guy? But, yeah. you know, I did the head turn. And I was like, what mm. the heck was that? You know, so <laughs> that was the first time I saw you. And then, yeah. you know, for the longest time you were driving that car, you know, you were competing in it and you learned how to drive in it. And so it was funny because I always knew you as like a Nissan guy because of that car. You loved mm -hmm. that car. And the whole time under the surface, you are always a Toyota guy. You are always a Hachoku guy. And so that kind of threw me for a loop. But I remember you let me drive your dad's Hachiroku at one of the drift days. Mm -hmm. And I was driving it all wrong because I was an S13 guy, right? I was driving it like an <laughs> S13 and it was not right. And you're like, no, you have to be more aggressive. You have to, yeah. you know. And then I listened to you and I did it. And then I fell in love all over again with drifting. Um, mm -hmm. But that was just one of my early memories. I wanted to share that with you in case you didn't know. But... <laughs> It it did. It taught me a lot about driving. That's an experience that I think like every drift driver needs to have is drive a Hachiroku and learn how to drive that. Yeah. I mean, till this day, 
when people ask me, you know, what's the proper way to learn how to drift? I tell them, get something that's severely underpowered. And, you know, at the time when we were first starting, Corollas were more abundant and uh, relatively affordable. But now they're, you know, you can't even find them anymore. So I wouldn't yeah. say, you know, you go find a Corolla and start drifting. But yeah, it's the concept for me has always been the same. You know, start in an underpowered car. Don't rely on power or, you know, hydraulic handbrakes or lock kits. Um, that way it teaches the fundamentals of, you know, drifting. And then uh, learn the dynamics of how the car moves instead of relying on hydraulic handbrakes and you know, all the tools that we all see nowadays in modern drifting. Yep. But to go back to your story about the first time you saw me on stuff, that's so funny because I remember seeing your webpage, your blog, your Silly Mania blog, and yeah. I've seen like the 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 pictures where you're drifting on Azusa Canyon and <laughs> even the videos. And I was like, oh my god, that's like what I want to do. <laughs> and, and and funny enough, you were actually the inspiration to why I went to a Nissan in the first place. Because if it wasn't for you, I would have stuck with Corollas probably Ooh. forever. Ooh, I made you stray. Yeah. <laughs> You cheated on Toyota for me. Oh, well, that's so touching. <laughs> that's cool. I did, you never told me that. That's really Aww. interesting. Your car was cool. Oh, yeah. It, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. Right? I was pretty happy over my S13. But... Yeah. but also for how early you had it, it was really cool. You know, it's hard to have style back then because it's hard to get parts. And, you know, yeah, but your, cool. your car was always really cool. It was cool early on. Well, it was only S13 coupe slammed on. 17 inch Watanabe base. <laughs> yeah. Were they 17s? Yeah. 17. They were the three piece ones. Mm-hmm. And what color was your interior? Champagne. You love yeah, no, that no, no, brown no. interior. Your, your interior, brown. brown. brown interior. Yes. You Champagne. love that brown interior. <laughs> I Ken. did. Till this day, I tell people my favorite color is brown. <laughs> thanks to that car. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Ken. That was really touching. Yeah. Benson's like, yeah. All right. Yeah. Now everyone needs to know my name. <laughs> <laughs> Benjo. Benjo. Oh. The story behind Benjo's name. How did we even come up with that? I don't know. It was either you or Dai. It was one of you yeah, guys. Benjo. One of you jerks. <laughs> <laughs> so since we're on the subject of, you know, way back when, can you paint a picture for, for the audience and let us know what the world was like when you were first getting into drifting? Well, when I was first getting into drifting, I was still a high school student. And I remember talking to my friends or classmates at Don Bosco Tech, because that's where I went to high school for two years. Um, and they're like, oh, you know, when are you getting your license? I'm like, oh, I'm going to try to get it so early, like 15 years old, I'm going to get my permit. And then I'm going to drive my S13 to school. And they're like, S13? What's that? So I had to kind of explain to them like what an S13 chassis was. These chassis codes, you know, A86, FC3S, FC3S, <laughs> R32. Are those numbers, math, cars? What are you talking about? So I explained <laughs> the whole thing. And, you know, nowadays people know what, what those um, numbers and letters mean. But back then, no one knew the JDM culture. They didn't know what drifting was. And so it was it was kind of hard to relate to these kids because I was the only like nerd that knew about you know initial D these cars and everyone else was like oh Honda Civic this Honda Civic that yeah um, <laughs> that's what was popular yeah I think this was uh right when Fast and Furious came out too so the Super was popular but there was no no one that was into Corollas and right. S13s and stuff so uh that was where I grew up and 
in a society where no one was like relatable, I guess. Except for us old guys, huh? Yeah, that's why I looked up to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you guys were my friends. Because my high school friends were not cool enough. <laughs> yeah, you hung out with the older crew for sure. <laughs> I did, but I felt cool because I hung out with old people. Oh, <laughs> made, you made us feel younger. You, you, I always remember your dad would always go out of his way to thank me for keeping you out of trouble. And I was always like, Ken, Ken wouldn't get into trouble. He's like, no, because of cars, because you like hang out with him all the time, I know you guys are good and I don't have to worry when he's with you guys. I'm like, come on. That's true. I though. about that. Yeah. I remember that. Your dad is so gracious all the time, Gushi-san. Yeah. So sweet. Is. Shout out to Gushi-san. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, dad. I mean, he's crazy. <laughs> he is crazy. Hey, Ken. You know, yeah. the more we see you year after year, the more you look like your dad. Oh. You oh, yeah. That? You hear that yeah. all the time, right? I do. Actually, I was just recently. So my sister sent me a photo on my phone. I was like, what the heck? What am I doing with who is this girl? <laughs> it, it ended up being my mom and my dad when they were like 19. Wow. But I, I looked, I, was, I thought it was me. Yeah. I was like, yep. When did I take this? Like, who the hell is this <laughs> yep. girl? Yep. It was my parents. Your mom's DNA got robbed. It was like, nah, there's no, <laughs> you look just like your dad. <laughs> yeah, even my well, sister looks like my dad. No, but Ken, your dad looks like he's Persian. <laughs> and you don't you don't so this is true this is true yeah everyone thought that my dad was either like mexican or half half mexican yeah. half yeah. asian or like persian I, i've never heard persian oh yeah i i agree yeah. persian it's that okinawan mm. blood there it's so funny because my mom looks like full-on japanese yeah, yeah like i Tokyo. look like normal japanese my sister looks kind of mixed but my dad looks entirely foreign <laughs> yeah. He Not does. even Asian. <laughs> I, I actually have the same exact story with my dad. Um, my mom showed me a picture, and he, he's wearing his army uniform when he was in the U.S. Army. I was like, "Why am I wearing a U.S. Army outfit?" <laughs> I look exactly the same as my dad when he was younger. Yeah. Well, at least you know that. Hmm. Uh, I know who my dad is. Yes. Oh, this is good confirmation. Okay. You also know what you're going to look like when you're 60 years old. So. <laughs> I know. What's to come? Just look at him. Okay. I like it. So I have some funny stories about Ken um, when you were really young hanging out with us. I don't know how much you remember from when you were young, but uh -huh. you were always around and you were always a lot of fun because you were just, you, you know, you were silly Ken and... Um, like one of my favorite trips with you is, uh, I, I don't know, we went to Vegas for something. And I, I think we went drifting there for something. Maybe there was a drifting in Vegas. And um, I remember like the whole trip there, I don't know if people remember, but you know that drink Snapple? Um, yeah. yeah the, the, the caps would have <laughs> the like trivia on Max. the bottom. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. you were obsessed with them. And the whole, yeah, the whole way to Vegas and back, <laughs> you were just like, hey, guys, hey, guys, did you know that? And then you would tell us a, a Snapple fact. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's from the Snapple cap. Like you, you take off the cap and you look under yeah, the yeah, cap yeah. and there's some. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And um, what mm. else? Uh, I remember you were hungry at the hotel and all we had was red vines but you wanted something cooked. So you were cooking the red vines on the stove. <laughs> oh, my um, God. You don't remember any wow. of this? 
I remember the Snapple facts because okay. I mean I still love facts and <laughs> weird trivial <laughs> but I don't know but I don't remember about the red vines but yeah and yeah and then on the way back there was a ton of traffic on the 15 and you had to go to the bathroom and we're like dude there's no uh, rest stops nearby so you're like just stop the car and I stopped the car and you ran out and you know we're we're passing by farms right. <laughs> <laughs> and you jumped the fence of this farm and you ran down the property of the farm to like this random porta potty that they had. I don't know. Really? Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. You jumped no, the fence. I, remember I, that I remember that. And then I, we and then we started moving. I was like, dude, hurry up, kid. You know what? I think I think maybe it wasn't Vegas. I think we were coming back from Camarillo. And and you know far. how you have to pass the farms on the way home from Camarillo. I'm not sure, but it, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, Ken likes to pull over and use other people's porta potties yep. at their farms. <laughs> so, yeah, just saying, we we got you, Ken. <laughs> at least I didn't piss on the side of the road. Or something. This is true. You're, if it was your dad, That's true. he would. That was very decent of you to jump <laughs> someone's fence and use their bathroom. <laughs> Imagine doing that nowadays, though. That's like. Might get shot. Might get shot. <laughs> yep. Shocked electric fence or something. Yeah. So. Yeah. So so that's what it was like. Um, you were telling us about your friends and and how they weren't really into, into drifting. You had already been drifting at El Mirage with your dad, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and then um, in my sophomore year of high school is when I got the S thirteen, the Champagne Brown Interior S thirteen. So I was what, fourteen years old. And then I remember at the end of the school year, we got let out early. So then I went home, but then a couple of my friends were at school and they called me like, hey, did you go home already? Like, I need a ride. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm already home. They're like, oh, do you think you can sneak out your cool S13 and like, pick us up? <laughs> so then I was like, oh, okay, well, my parents aren't home. Like, I had the keys to my car. And of course, I didn't have a license because I was still 14. Um, but I ended up taking the car out, went, drove back to Don Bosco, picked up my friends and dropped them off at home. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Just you didn't get caught. Am I? I didn't get caught that time. That um, there's time. more stories, yeah, with that car. But I do remember one time I did get caught by my dad's um, customer. And he was like, hey, I saw your son driving his uh, car on the road. And my dad was like, what? He has a license. What do you mean you saw him driving? Like, oh, yeah. He was just like, you know, driving on last tuners or something. So then I get a call from my dad. And I was just chilling at the park in San Gabriel. I think it was called Smith Park or something. Yeah. Uh, with my friends. And as soon as I saw dad on myself, I was like, oh, shit. I'm in trouble. <laughs> So then I picked it up and he screamed, like, where the hell are you? What the hell are you doing? Someone told me that you're driving the car around. I'm like, oh, no, it's my friend driving the car around. I was driving. He's like, get that car home right now. There's no insurance on it. So then I, told, I asked my friend who was like, hey, man, sorry. Do you think you can drive me and my car home? So then he, he drove me and my car home. And then uh, that was it. So I got scolded for that. But at least I didn't get caught by law enforcement. That time. That time. That time. You, you got into trouble with that car. I did. I did. So then um, another time, one of my dad's customers had asked him if I can possibly teach him how to do, you know, drifting and donuts. So then one night he picked me up in his like the S13 hatch. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he took me to this parking lot in City of Industry. So then he was like showing me what he could do. I was like, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. Watch. Uh, I'll teach you how to do it. Let me show you. So then I hop into his car 
the moment I do one donut, a cop pulls and lights blasting, oh. sirens <laughs> blasting, and then he like almost slams into a car, gets out of the car, has his gun drawn, he's like, get out of the car, wow. hands up. So I'm like, yep. oh, so I'm like, this isn't my car, <laughs> it's his car, <laughs> like, license and registration. I don't have a license. <laughs> so I get busted off. Of course, I get a ticket, but the ticket was like unlicensed driver, uh, no insurance. He didn't have insurance apparently. Mm. Um, past curfew. Oh man. Trespassing. What time was this? This was like at ten at night. <laughs> yeah. Reckless endangerment. So I got like hit with everything. Mm. Had to he go to having court. a bad day. That that cop. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, so then when that happened, my dad got so mad at him. He, like, he told me this was like a private lot. You know, you got my son in trouble. Now he has to go to court. So we get up to court and the fee is like two grand or something. Oh, my God. And then they take away my driving privilege for a couple of years. They really got Wait, you. you. They made an yeah. example of you. That was the yeah. one that prevented you from getting a license till you're 18? No, that was the first offense. <laughs> okay. I was going to yeah, say, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I remember another yeah. one. Folks, yeah. we're only getting started. The All second right. one was actually, um, this was after, you know, the whole D1 driver search. You know, we, you and I both did that, Benson. Yeah. Um, and then um, we started getting sponsors. So I was driving for a team called Rotora. Remember Rotora? Yeah. Yep. Rotora Brakes. So then um, they were building a car so we can compete in uh, D1 USA. So when the night that we finished the car, Lauren, the owner, was like, oh, okay, now we need to test it somehow. But then we had nowhere to test it because the event was supposed to be, you know, a couple days later. So like, oh, don't worry. I told him, I'll just take it on the block or something and, you know, feel it out. I won't do anything crazy. Well, <laughs> my dad happened to crazy. be there too because he had helped us finish the car. So I take the car out of the parking lot. And this was in City of Industry also, but the street was like, there was a main street, mm -hmm. but then the office was like, you know, not, it wasn't cul-de-sac, but it was a street that connected from one end to the other. Yeah. Um, and there's like two curve. 90 degree corners, like mm -hmm. two corners. So I take out the car out of the lot and like, you know, drive it around. And I would do like a donut on the other end, drift a 90 degree corner, <laughs> do another like manji, drift another 90 degree <laughs> oh corner. Oh my God, nothing crazy. Nothing, yeah, crazy. nothing crazy. Right? <laughs> oh. so I do another donut. I'm like, okay, car feels good. And as, a, as I'm getting ready to go back to Rotora, uh, lights flash behind me. I'm Aww. like, oh shit, not again. <laughs> putting, putting this like race car, it's all like fully stickered out, super oh, loud. No. Bill SR with like a Blitz Turbo at the time. Is that the I'm, blue like, putting, one? The blue, blue one, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like putting back to Rotora. As soon as I pull into the parking lot, the cops like blocking my car, gun drawn. Mm. And my dad's like, whoa, 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 relax. He's like, get away, move away. And my dad's like, that's my son. He's like, I don't give a <laughs> so I'm just like, oh crap! Here we daddy, go again. Daddy, save me! <laughs> so then, um, yeah, he he gets by my car, and you know, my dad's like, he doesn't have a license. He's like, what? <laughs> what? Oh Why are you guys letting him do this? Yeah. So then, um, of course, I get another ticket, and then again, it's reckless endangerment, reckless yeah. driving, no license, no registration, uh, no insurance. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so I get hit again. So that was the bigger offense that took away my driving privilege. So I was actually 19, not even 18. Okay. So funny story is I couldn't even drive to college. I couldn't yep. take girls out on dates. I remember. My mom had to drive me to school. My mom had to go help <laughs> me pick up my 
you know, the dates. And then my dad had to like drive us to like the movie theaters. Yep. And dinner. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> and, and to add on top of that, you were a competitive drift driver. Like you were doing well in your competitions, but you couldn't drive on the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was competing in, um, yeah, form, not Formula D. This was still D1 Grand Prix. Yeah. I was a sponsored athlete driving for <laughs> these different automotive manufacturers with no license. Um, that wasn't the worst part, actually. I, I, I would have been okay with that. The worst part was not being able to drive, you know, girls on the That <laughs> yeah. was really, really embarrassing. They would drive you? You guys would sit in the backseat or like... Well, well, I remember there was a couple times, well, actually, there was a lot of times where I would have to like ask my dad, hey, dad, do you think in you know, drive me to, you know, so-and-so's house, pick her up and like drop us off at the mall or something. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, yeah whatever. Cause he understood, like, he's not going to say no. What is he going to say? Like, no, you take the car. But uh, he would drive us. And I remember just sitting in the front seat, like all like, you know, twiddling my fingers. <laughs> and then the girl in the back seat was just like, chilling. and then like, she would like put her hand over my shoulder. And I was just, like, okay. I'll hold your hand. And, like, I would hold oh her my God. Yeah, so now that I think about it, my dad would have like been so embarrassed to drive his son around. On the day. Like, if I had a son, I would not be able to do that. I'd be like, you know what, son, I'll just take the car. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. so too. I think yeah. your dad's learned his lesson for letting you have keys to a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I remember how ecstatic I was when I first got my I remember license. I remember. Yeah. Um, there was another incident that I remember. I think. Oh my I gosh, think more. Th- yeah, <laughs> I think this incident you got away with. It's hard for me to remember, but do you remember working at Alta? <laughs> I, I was gonna get there <laughs> i was there at alta all the time i was there when this yeah. happened but uh don't explain alta? yeah so alta was a used wheel shop in japan they had like several stores all over japan and they decided i don't for whatever reason they thought there was a market here so they opened one here Whoa. in the u.s in southern california Correction. one guy thought there oh, was a market that, here that's right <laughs> ken that's right Ohara-san convinced yeah. them to allow him to open up here. That's right. Yeah. But he couldn't use the name Alta, so they had to use Alteration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I hung out there all the time, especially after yeah. I got laid off and I had nothing to do. So I was there all the time. I was helping them mount wheels and tires and like just hanging out and stuff. And then you started working there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then well, why don't you tell us the story? Okay. So I was a, I was a junior in high school and then... Um, Ken O'Hara, who was the owner and operator of Alteration, was pretty close to my dad because my dad's shop was literally down the street from Alteration or Alta. And so my dad hung out there all the time, too, because he found Ken was, like, just as crazy as he was. And yes. crazy. had a huge oh, yeah. uh, love of cars and drifting. He had this old FA-22C RX-7 or yep. first-gen yep. RX-7 that he likes to uh, put around town. But then my dad asked him, okay, like, hey, do you think my son can work here? You, know, you can just pay him like I don't know, twenty bucks a day or something. So <laughs> twenty then I was bucks. Like, so then they're like, "Oh yeah, Ken, hey, you're gonna work here now." Okay. <laughs> so then my dad was like, "I'm gonna pick you up from school, and then drop you off, and you can work here from like you know two to close or whenever." So then I started working there, and um, I was doing all the wheel polishing, and then the bent wheels that came in, I would have to like hammer it and fix it. But the process was really cool because I mean, obviously as a sixteen-year-old kid, like working at some place like this was like a huge dream working with jdm wheels and whatnot 
but also because he would let me drive his RX-7 around town. And whenever he made like crazy modifications to it, he's like, Ken, Ken, go, go test it out, Ricky, go test it out. <laughs> and by the shop, there was this like one dead end street that you make a ride into and there was like a left turn, 90 yeah. degree corner. And then like a dead end. And so you do a donut and come back and take the right turn and then go back to Valley. Yeah, Valley. And to the shop. But anyway, one time I decided to like show off because one of the customers came and was like, oh, I want a ride. You know, give me a ride. So I asked, you know, Ken O'Hara. I was like, hey, can I borrow your car real quick and show him what drifting is all about? He's like, yeah, go ahead, take it. <laughs> um, my dad just happened to get there at the same time as I was leaving. Oh, no. And then... Uh, so then we're driving down and then I do the first corner, I complete it. And on the way back, I turn around. I had way too much speed. But then not only that, there was like a drainage in the middle of the road and there was water on there. Oh, no. <laughs> so then I kept the clutch really hard and aggressive. And instead of like drifting the corner, I just went straight onto the curb and hit a pole. So it oh, hopped the curb and like gosh. hit a wooden pole. <laughs> and then the wheels were all like jacked up. It looked like a hovercraft on one end. So we're like, Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the, guy, the guy next to me was like, uh, that's not supposed to happen. I'm like, no, no, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. And there's like all these people like working in that area. Like, what the hell? That's what you guys get. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to have to pay for that. We're calling the cops. Uh-oh. So then we run back to Alta. <laughs> and, then, and then my dad's just like chilling. I'm like, dad, dad, dad. Um, I just crashed. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> where's the car I'm like it's still broken on the street <laughs> so he like gets in the car like rushes back to his shop gets a truck and goes to the car and like basically drags the car yep. back to Alta yep. and as he gets there the cops come to the shop and he took the blame and so for my you, dad right? had to take the blame yeah yeah before the cops came um, he was like go home so yeah. then the guy that oh, was yeah, there that right. I gave a ride to drove me home to yep. get out of the scene and then my dad took the yeah sorry dad <laughs> you know i don't i don't blame you though because um you, like you said ohara-san he was crazy and like he was down yeah. for anything and i think he he was used to life in japan where maybe some of this stuff would fly but um yeah i remember because alta was on um near a four-way street light and he would hear me come down temple city boulevard because uh-huh. you could see like down the street so he would yeah. see me come and they would, I kid you not, every time they heard me, they would stop what they're doing and like watch me and egg me on to drift <laughs> and like drift the intersection and into the, yeah. into the driveway. Oh and, and then every time, you know, if I was there and they had a customer there, Ohara-san was like, talk to the customer and say like, oh yeah, this guy, he, he drifts. And, and they would always tell me like when I'm leaving, do, do something right and so they always make me drift like leaving that place he made you huh well make i mean I, I liked it but i mean <laughs> you know you you get in trouble that way someone's always egging you on yeah. well so you really showed that guy what drifting's all about <laughs> <laughs> or what it's not about yeah oh mm, maybe we weren't a good influence on you <laughs> yeah i don't know what my dad thought <laughs> well, his dad has different standards. We were a good influence. That's I think good. you guys were a great influence. Oh, see, we were good. Thank you, Ken. Thank you. You turned out great, Ken. I think I'm all right. <laughs> Thank you for watching over my son. Now let me go get my truck and drag the RX-7 that he crashed a mile back. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Good times. I, I actually missed that shot. 
That's I do too. It's another car shop now, but yeah, you know, great yeah. memories there. If the walls in that shop could talk. Oh my gosh. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. You know, I I was at the sheriff's station for something. <laughs> I, I forgot. It was something innocent, like maybe getting a permit for something. And then I was standing there waiting. And then Ohara-san came out of, <laughs> of, of holding. jail. <laughs> he was like walking down the hallway. He's like, uh, what are you doing here? And he, you know, he looked all messed up. Like he spent the night in jail. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I won't talk about what he did, but, you know, I gave him a ride home. And he, like he, he was. He had a plastic bag, right? Yeah, like, he had a plastic bag stuff. with his stuff in it. <laughs> and he was. From, I mean, he was always really nice to me, but from then on, I was like really special to him or something. And he, he'd be so nice, extra nice to me, and he would like give me stuff. And uh, he gave me a, an Ulta uh, jumpsuit with the you know uh-huh. the Japanese logo on it. Yeah. So um, like I really like that thing. I, I wear it to the track when it's not too hot. Good times. Good times. It's so funny. Anyway, oh, that's yeah. just the kind of person he was. Yeah, he was wild. I'm not shocked that he came out of jail walking like that. (laughs) (laughs) And now let's take some time out to thank this episode's sponsor. Koyo Rad Racing was established in 1999 in Japan and made their U.S. debut in 2004. The parent company of Koyo Rad Racing, Koyo Radiator, was actually founded in 1956. Koyo Rad Racing is actually distributed right here in Orange County, California. They're known for their high-quality aftermarket radiators, oil coolers, and manufacture over 80 different Japanese, domestic, and Korean vehicle models. Koyo uses only Japanese-made equipment and sources only the finest aluminum when producing their radiators. What we love the most about Koyo is their all-aluminum extruded tube and fin FC Universal Oil Cooler. I am so excited because I'm going to get one on my car and Benson's actually going to get it for me. He, he doesn't know about it. I don't know if everyone <laughs> knows about those FC oil coolers, but, you know, back in the day when it was like a DIY thing, you would go, you know, just like it is to go get like a front mount intercooler from a car that came with one. You would want to go find an FC in the junkyard and get that oil cooler just because it you had a, a unique shape that's really long. And so you can put it really cool places where it would just really stand out. So like, uh, that's awesome that they're making that. Koyo's always been around in Japan supporting the coolest cars. I always remember Hibino's Hachiroku, or you remember that Super Auto Box uh, R34 that was here driven by Takatori, or Naoki Nakamura's S13 and S15, that D-Max Koyo car. They've always sponsored the coolest cars. So I feel like Koyo is part of the culture that we enjoy, not just, you know, this manufacturer that's out there. They know what's cool and they sponsor what, you know, all the stuff that I like, including like the grassroots events like Final Bout and Super D. I've actually been lucky enough to say that Koyo has been a very, very long time supporter and sponsor of mine. In fact, I've had a Koyo radiator in every single personal car that I've owned. My first S13, in fact, that one I was sponsored by Koyo, so I got that one for free. I've had a Koyo radiator in my A86 Corolla before it was SR. And then when it turned SR, I got another Koyo radiator for an S14, put that in the 86. I've had a Koyo radiator in my FRS, and now I have one in my IS300. So there's no other radiator brand that I would put my trust into cooling as far as engine cooling goes. So 
it's a name that's synonymous in you know automotive cooling in motorsports for me at least personally and uh of course a, a huge name that's been around in japan for a long time so a major major thanks to them for being a huge part of motorsports and in my uh, personal career i agree and i've been sponsored by them i guess i still am sponsored by them but Regardless of that, I would and I have bought Koyo radiators for all of my cars and I wouldn't buy it a different brand. That is the one radiator I would buy and I have the utmost trust in their quality and, and performance. Yep. And Koyo Rad Racing has provided us with an oil cooler kit, which we will be giving away over on our Instagram account at Salady Mania. We'll launch that giveaway a couple days after we release this episode. So look out for that. And special thank you to Koyo Rad Racing for sponsoring this episode of the Salady Mania podcast. And with that said, let's get back to Grilling Ken. Ken, we, we've talked about your early years uh, drifting as an amateur. We didn't really cover the competitions, but well, let's get into your professional career. As a driver, you started your professional career already with a full car from Rotora. You discussed that recently. You got into a Ford Mustang sponsored by mm-hmm. Ford, um, and you did pretty well in that Mustang. And since then, you've gotten into... Uh, a car by Scion and and Toyota. Did you ever think that that was your future as a teenager at Don Bosco Tech, that that was something that would happen for you? So looking back at when I was, you know, obviously nerding out with drifting as a high school student, I didn't quite picture myself being a professional athlete in drifting, only because at the time there was no premier, you know, drifting motorsport. Um, that was you know professionally sanctioned. So it was hard to picture and imagine what the future of drifting would look like. But I did know for certain that I would stick around drifting and more sports in one way or another. Now, whether that meant being, you know, like a advocate for drifting or, you know, some sort of athlete for motorsports, I didn't know. But I knew that I was going to stick around drifting for a long time. And now that I look back, like, I guess I always knew that I just wanted to do something with it and, you know, make it a career. And, you know, now that I have made it a career, yeah, it's that high school Kenshiro Gushi's dream come true. And I guess I, I was able to fulfill it. So you've had a very long career in drifting. What did you say, 17 years? Yeah, Nadine in her introduction did mention that I haven't missed a single event, which is true. Until uh, this day, I have not missed a single Formula Drift event since Are you the 2004. Only one? No, 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 I'm not. It's uh, myself, Dajiro Yoshihara, and Chris Forsberg. That's I would awesome. include JR into the list, except mm-hmm. he did miss one Irwindale. I think it was back in 2016. Well, you can include because him. Because he, yeah, so yeah, it's just <laughs> three of us. Uh, Perfect attendance. The sad part is, there, there's a really sad part to that story. The sad part is, out of the three drivers, I'm the only one that hasn't got a championship. The closest mm. I got was second place in 2015. So so that brings me into my next question is, um, mm-hmm. you know, I remember what it was like in the early days of Formula D when I was doing it with you. And mm-hmm. I remember that feeling when everything was new and I only had one season of professional drifting, whereas you've had 17. Does it ever 
get old? Um, no, for sure. It does not get old only because I feel like as a driver and an athlete, there's always something I can improve on. There's always something I can do better. Um, whether it's consistency, whether it's, you know, doing something that's never been done before. Like, you know, like back then we didn't have like crazy lock kits. So it was almost impossible to do a backwards angle entry into any other corners, but things have become so far advanced now in terms of, you know, parts that are available, um, the know-how, the the data, and even the community online that tries to help each other out. But with that evolvement of the sport, there's always something new that we can do. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just have to do with driving, but with, you know, car builds specifically with drifting. So, you know, steering Ackerman, steering geometry, suspension travel, suspension geometry, everything. Um, and so in that sense, like it never gets old, like till this day, I enjoy you know, trying new things at you know, professional formula drift events. Um, and I also enjoy the progression of other drivers and seeing, you know, the sport kind of get crazier and crazier. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it's, you know, growing at the same rate that it was back when we were competing together, but it's definitely, um, still growing every right. year at the first round. I always find myself saying, wow, it's, it's just crazy how different it is from just this year to the last final round last year. If I can get into it quick, that first year of Formula D, Benson, your only season was the very first season of Formula D in existence. And Ken, like, you know, you're what, 18 at that time, right? Everything absolutely exploded in that scene at that time. Like, everything was new to everybody. And just the thought of being a professional drifter was just amazing in itself. But that whole scene was it started at a level that was just unprecedented in motorsports. So, you know, you guys have any kind of memories of just the insanity of what it was like competing on a professional stage for the first time in the U.S.? I remember that uh, we were all in over our heads. <laughs> it felt like <laughs> we were like no one, no one really had done this before. Right. And because we didn't have uh, the guys from D1 who's been doing this for years you know, show us the way it was a uh, slipstream that started formula D and it was their very first season. And, um, I don't think that they did any competitions before that first season. So, um, not only were they holding that for the first time, they are making rules as they went. And, um, you know, us drivers had to figure out real quick, you know, one day you're an amateur, now you're doing formula D. Now you have to find like, you know, over $10,000 to, to be able to compete and you have to make your car competitive and you had to learn how to be professional. And there were no classes. No one told us how to do that. And we we're all kind of just learning as we went. And I think a prime example of that, Ken, is um, that very first round of Formula D Atlanta. <laughs> I was going to bring this up. <laughs> that, so, Ken, you made it into the top 16 and you were in the very first ever Formula D top 16 competition run. Do you remember that? Yeah, I qualified first in that round. Yeah, so um, I was going to tell the fireworks story, but I think you should tell the fireworks story. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, so yeah, you're right. This is our very first Formula Drift Pro competition round in Road Atlanta. And you know, I was out there with my sponsor, Rotora S13, qualifying first and having a great time. In the awesome, weekend. by the way. Yeah, and then uh, here comes the top 16 tandem competition. And you know, we're, we're lined up to start and I'm leading first because I qualified higher. 
And as soon as I start getting ready to initiate, boom, I hear these crazy loud explosions. I'm like, holy sh! what happened? I like slam up all the brakes, lock up the handbrake and go straight into the dirt. Turn around, there's like fireworks going off. I'm like, what the hell? I thought my car broke. So I started complaining. I'm like, hey man, like, that's not cool. Like, well, you guys didn't tell us that there was going to yep. be fireworks on entry because they weren't doing that during practice. Yep. They weren't doing that during qualifying. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're going to shoot fireworks, and I yep. happened to be the first one out there. So it threw me off guard, and I ended up losing that round. I think it was against Eric Jacobs or something. Yeah. Oh, they didn't give wow, it to you? Wow, you remember that. Oh. No, they didn't yeah, give it no, to him. I remember I yeah. your crew and you were you guys were pleading your case, and they just they weren't having it. And I felt so bad. I was there with the crowd, and actually, people were laughing. <laughs> Nobody sad. expected those fireworks to, because it was trackside fireworks. It wasn't just like a display on the side. Know, it, was it was along the track, right, next right to the, there. Yeah, yeah, you could have taken them out. That was crazy. And I think you you weren't in dirt. I think you went into the rocks. Were you in the rocks? I went into the gravel trap. The gravel like, trap. Yeah, the gravel trap. Yeah. That's the worst. That's fun. Oh yeah, Benson knows yeah. all about that one. No, I know nothing about that gravel <laughs> trap. So, um, but I, I was knocked out. Oh, I was knocked out top sixteen also. But that was my favorite uh, Formula D experience, um, getting knocked out there. Because the crowd was so nice. And I don't know, I don't think you were doing it too. But uh, so we got knocked out. And we were just standing around because they didn't let us back to the pit, right? So we were just standing around in the grid, didn't know what to do. And like some of the fans were in the stands. But the way Formula D Atlanta was, they had people, like they allowed them to drive up in their pickup trucks and kind of, you know, kind of like at a football game where you just tailgate and party. All those guys on were the up side, there, right? Yeah, on we're, the side of the mountain. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I remember yeah. I was there, had nothing to do, and those guys were so nice, and they're all like, "Hey, you know, jump the fence, come hang out with us." And so I was like, "All right, cool." So I, I don't remember you, but I definitely remember Alex Pfeiffer and I. We jumped the fence and sat on some tailgates, and we we're drinking beers yeah. and stuff, and um, it was a party. Like instead of being sad, yeah, I was out there partying, and then to add to the story. Um, Formula D didn't tell us this, but there was a break, I think, between maybe top eight and top four. And they had us do a demo. All the one that all the people that got cut, they let us do a demo. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. No. Okay. I so must have been like so pissed. Ken something. was still pissed. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. I was happy yeah. you were pissed, but I was drunk. <laughs> and they're like, come do a demo. And I was like, hell yeah. As I jumped the fence. I was doing a demo drunk. It was like the best time for drunk me. Drunk drifting. Oh, you heard it here first. Oh my well, gosh. That, yeah, you mentioned that Southern hospitality, but that still hasn't changed till this day. And I think Road Atlanta still till this day has the best fans in Formula Trips. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I specifically remember their fans. They were great. Benson loves Road Atlanta because this was the first time his fans came with signs that said Benson the Lady <laughs> Mania. And I remember that. And I go, are you kidding me like and they had his name on posters and it was yeah yeah so sweet and so adorable and it was just it was new to us and so it was like you wrote his name on a poster and you came to watch benson like oh my gosh oh man oh. those are the days i bet yeah. you there's still some fans that was there on that day that still go there till this day i talked to some of them online they you know they tell me they were there at that event and mm -hmm. um atlanta's great i love the fans there yeah they're my favorite by far Shout out, Atlanta, the ATL. So you guys are asking such like really sweet questions and very like innocent, 
But I'm I'm here dun, dun, dun. to shake it up. Okay, Ken. Ken just <laughs> chugged a beer right now. Yeah, I'm ready. You got to prepare. I'm ready. You, you need some shots. Good right. Liquid courage. So I'm going to play devil's advocate. You know, this is not my personal opinion. But some say going pro is selling out. <laughs> Has anyone ever said that to you, Ken? And like, have you thought about that? Um, I remember like, you know, when the, when the internet or when drifting first got big was also when like the internet forums and whatnot were getting big, like drifting.com. Um, I just remember drifting.com was really harsh. Yeah. yeah and then there was yeah. like people that would say like, oh, you know, he's a sellout for going mainstream and whatnot. But I think at the end of the day, I still enjoyed doing what I was doing. So I never really let it bother me. And of course there were times where i would read very harsh comments like oh he sucks and how did he get a deal with ford or how did he get a deal with you know toyota and whatnot and like they would say like stuff like oh he's very undeserving of a c um but jeez i never really cared like they can say whatever the <laughs> hell they want because i'm i'm the one here doing what they would that's right wish they were doing yep. um mm. and the way i see it is like just because i'm a professional getting paid to do what I do doesn't mean that I can't enjoy the grassroots side of the world, right? Like till this day, I tell people like all of us pros, like we can go grassroots anytime, anytime we want, we can go grassroots, right? Like I can enjoy both worlds and I do. And you do. I feel like yeah, you're one of the yeah. very few that do. And we like that. Like I love yeah. seeing that. That you actually take the time, like you, you go drive your pro events, but I see you do a lot of grassroots stuff. And I think I think it's because like I genuinely just enjoy drifting. Like I don't care if it's on a pro level or if it's on a grassroots level. Like I just yeah. enjoy it, not just the driving, but the community. It's, it's very different too, right? The way you drive a pro level car versus driving mm -hmm. a a grassroots style car. Mm -hmm. I don't imagine to understand what it's like to drive your Supra, right? But I'm sure you have to readjust your approach to driving, right? Yeah, in a sense, but I, I, my, so there's one way I look at it when I set up my cars, it's the ease of driving it, like how easy it is, how predictable it is. And that doesn't change from going from a 200 horsepower street car to a thousand horsepower pro car. As long as it's easy to drive, I think the approach is going to be the same. Of course, the thousand horsepower Supra, like things come at you way faster because you're yeah. going twice sometimes three times the speed but i mean they both have their challenges and whatnot but at the end of the day it's fun both fun i think that's easy for you to say like <laughs> you know the i make this thousand horsepower uh supra easy for me to drive and i don't think that's easy for everyone <laughs> <laughs> but he's having oh, fun yeah. doing it babe. yeah, yeah. And so it makes it easy i think that's awesome and um to add to nadine's comments is um you know, I see you a lot at uh, grassroots events, driving uh -huh. with everybody, and yeah. you, you're not there like on a pedestal, you know, like you don't enter the room and like people are carrying you on a throne, like you're just, <laughs> oh, no, you're no, just no, Ken no. Gushi from the SGV, right? Yeah. And I think that's amazing that you do that and um, you don't feel like you're a certain way just because you're on like a celebrity's podcast the other day or, or, you're, no, no. you know, like that, that's not you. You're so down to earth. And, um, I appreciate that after all these years, after all the accomplishments that you've made Thanks. and there is same old Ken. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Hasn't gone to his head. So, <laughs> so here's my one other heavy hitter question. Uh-huh. So when we were driving Formula Drift, Benson and I, you know, we were there with you and we're all kind of struggling to get transport to events and get support to pay for our hotels and, you know, all the stuff that goes in with pro driving. And so you've since gotten a lot of great sponsorships and now you drive with Toyota and you drove for Ford. How did you get those gigs? Did you have to get an agent? Did you just know people? Did people come up to you and offer? Like, how did you make that uh, transition to drive for factory back company? Was it because of your looks? Mm. <laughs> Definitely not my looks. <laughs> hey, I've I seen you in a modeling photo, Ken. Ooh. Yes. We've all seen that, so <laughs> you can't deny that yeah. so quickly. Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to answer your question, Eddie, I was very, very fortunate to be around people who were willing to make those moves for me and of course you know starting off as a naive teenager i of course didn't have those connections or networks to make that sort of stuff happen so it was just being lucky that i knew the people and still do know the people that were willing to you know make moves on behalf of me to make that happen for for the ford racing gig it was uh knowing reese millen and you guys all know reese yeah but uh, he was at the time driving for Pontiac, and because he's so heavily connected to the stunt driving community, uh, he knew people at Ford that were approaching him, asking if you know how is the drifting community, like how do we get in? Do you know anyone that would be willing to drive for us? So he was actually the one that got me the connection to Ford Motorsports or Ford oh, Motor wow. Corporation. Wow. Yeah, Shout out. It, it's a very crazy story, but. And when he first approached me, I was like, no way, like it's an all American company. Like, why would they want to hire a 17 year old Japanese kid to drive Mm -hmm. their brand new Mustang? But then it really happened. Like it was a, it was like a true story. And had I not known the right people then, like there was no way any of this would have happened. And it wasn't me. Like I didn't, I really didn't do anything. Like I never wrote a single proposal to a manufacturer saying, hey, my name is Ken Gucci. This is what I do. Like, I was just always lucky to have people put me in that position where I was able to make those connections. That's great. Yeah. So tell me, so did Ford offer you money? They're going to pay you to drive or was it just the car? Or like, I'm I'm asking these crazy like questions that I don't expect you to answer, but I'm Yeah, asking. no. Um, when I first started, I wasn't getting paid at all. Um, when I first started with Rotoro, I wasn't getting paid. Um, even with Ford, I wasn't getting paid. The team was getting paid to, you know, develop the chassis, the platform, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then pay for some of the expenses logistically for, you know, participating in Formula Drift. But I was not getting paid at all. I don't think I got a single dime the whole time I was with Ford Racing from Ford Motor Company. Um, the checks that I was getting was either prize money or um, contingency money from Toyo Tires. Got it. Can can you yeah. talk about your season with Ford? Um, I don't know that a lot of people know about it because it was so long ago. But yeah, um, my partnership with Ford started in 2005. I lasted three seasons till 2007. The first season, we got third place in the championships uh, in 2005 with a brand new car. The second season, we debuted a entirely brand new build. It was the same S195. S197 chassis Ford Mustangs, 
but a whole new build, like rear mount radiator, 4.6 illuminator, aluminum block, V8, uh, had about 800 horsepower, supercharged. Uh, sounded crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, with that vehicle, I actually struggled a little bit, so I couldn't even make it into the top five in 2006. Uh, in 07, I ended up totaling that said vehicle at New Jersey. Um, and it was like probably the most... <laughs> slow speed ridiculous accident that ended up splitting the front frame rails and totaling out the vehicle but i had to finish off that season in our first car from 2005 and uh at the end of the contract was when they were like oh like you know we want to continue to support you but we can't really fund the project so you're gonna have to go back to the first car and somehow find the money to fix it at the same time was when Scion was approaching RSR, the suspension company, to possibly start a new drift team with a Scion TC that's been converted to a rear-wheel drive. So, you know, thanks to Ford and whatnot, but instead of continuing with with that program, I had decided to take on a new challenge and go with uh, Scion Racing to start a new venture. And that was so perfect for you. I was so happy that uh, you had that relationship with Scion at that point because... Um, you know, for people that don't know, Scion was kind of Toyota's youth brand. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, man, that's Ken. You know, <laughs> like Ken is the face, should be the face of Scion. And uh, when they gave you that car to drive and, um, you know, they, I remember they used you in, in advertisements. And I was like, that is a match made in heaven. <laughs> they did. Yeah. I mean, well, thanks for your kind words. But when they first approached me, I was like, man, this is perfect. Because for one, like you said, it was a brand that was targeting youth to introduce them into the Toyota umbrella. So they would start off with, you know, these affordable, cool, sleek, like lifestyle brand called Scion, eventually move them into Toyota and then hopefully ultimately Lexus. But that was what Scion was all about, was the youth and the lifestyle. So um, they did use me in a lot of their advertisements. I did a lot of their um, shoots for especially the new 8.6 or the FRS at the time. But yeah, that was the starting of a long 12-year relationship that I've, I'm still um, continuing to have with Toyota Motor Corporation. That's so cool. Um, I think especially since you have a SAG card and uh, mm-hmm. you do some stunt driving. And I know from talking to people like Reese Mill in the past that one of the reasons why Reese was so in demand, I don't know if he still is, but it's because he kind of has that look that they're looking for where you can kind of uh, fade in the background. They can show his face, but he kind of just looks like a normal white guy that like most mm-hmm. of America can relate to. So the fact that you're able to uh, be a stunt driver as an Asian American, like that's so cool to me. That, that shows me that um, culture is changing, times are changing, and mm. uh, that we actually, have... Actually, no, let, let's go back. Oh, okay. It's tough, actually. So, yeah, I do have a, <laughs> a SAG card. And when I first, you know, decided to invest into the union, I was hoping I would get a lot more gigs. Um, but that wasn't the case. And with stunt driving in general, that community is so tight and yes. so protected because yeah. work, work is so scarce. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want the work to go outside of that circle that they have. Yep. Of course, Reese, Sam Hubinet, Tanner Faust, um, even uh, Matt Powers, Powers, they're all part, part of that circle. 
Um, and unfortunately, you know, like you mentioned, it's a bunch of, you know, like Americans. Mm-hmm. There's not a single Asian American or Asian person you'll see in most um, stunt driving commercials. You'll yep. see them as talent, as like, you know, the face of the commercial. Yeah. But you'll rarely see an Asian stunt driver um, that so those... they openly portray on the same commercials. So those boys didn't let you in their circle? They did, actually. Um, it's not in, under their control. Um, mm. Whenever they can't make a certain shoot, they will... They refer someone. They will, yeah. They will refer someone. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to have guys like Reese and Sam both refer me to shoots um, that didn't show my face. So it didn't really matter what race they were. But for the most part, um, most commercials, it's kind of like a protected job. Like, they don't want the jobs yep. outsourced to anyone else. Because it pays so well for one, mm-hmm. and two, like they want to protect those jobs within that circle of drivers. So, what did you get to drive? Oh uh, well, I've done a few commercials. I've done a commercial with Nissan and their Cube when it was new. Um, I've done Jaguar's XFRS. I've done their F-Type. I've done their well, actually, I've done a few for Jaguar. I've done their F-Type R. Have you ever had to do like a slow lame car? The cube. <laughs> like, yeah, the cube make this cube look awesome, Ken. Uh... <laughs> You're like, great. It's my first gig. No, it wasn't like that. It was like, okay, <laughs> Ken, go back to one. And I would like you know, reverse. Yeah. Okay. And action. I would just pull into a parking spot. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> like really? 10 times over. Like, how many different angles can you get of this? Wait, what? Shipping? They hired you for that? Yeah. You know, yeah, I... yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was offered a stunt driving gig one time from my my friend who was in the film industry. I was like, oh, awesome! I can't wait to like drift whatever car. And I was <laughs> stupid enough to, uh, I think I had a contact. I don't know if it was the producer or whoever it was um, doing that gig. And I was like, oh, what, what kind of car is it? And he said it was I don't know, just make something up like a Toyota Camry. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, um, do, can you replace it with? you know, something rear wheel drive. I can do something really cool in rear wheel drive. And then he stopped replying to me. So I lost that one. And I think it's because of my dumb email. <laughs> so oh he, you still do it, right? Like you do it sometimes, just not regular enough. Yeah, definitely not regular enough. But I haven't had a stunt driving gig. And when was the last one I did? I think it was, it's been like two years ago. Is that something that you can actively look out? Um, like search for gigs or they they have to just kind of fall in your lap yeah um all my jobs have sort of just been falling on my lap either like referred or the producers knew me from an old shoot so they would refer me again yeah or like recommend me to or push me for another shoot but i do have one coming up oh nice who is it can you talk about it um (laughs) i could talk about the manufacturer but i can't talk about the car yet okay oh it's a toyota and oh. around the vehicle but big nice. surprise big surprise yeah big um, surprise coming <laughs> so interesting fact uh since we're talking about your sag card um you because of that film industry stuff you have an imdb profile an interesting fact nadine and i and you we all have imdb profiles <laughs> uh, wait i i have one yeah <laughs> oh, you don't no even way. care you're like so famous that oh no, oh no, i have no, one no, I didn't... yeah you know, know, you know, you have a Wikipedia page too, right? Yeah, but Wikipedia, like anyone <laughs> can make one. And, you know, no. 
It's all I like mean, user submitted down. profiles. No, they, I used to really? have one. I used yeah. to have one. Then I lost my street cred and they took it down. Yeah. Aw. You gotta appreciate what you have, I can add to that. (laughs) (laughs) I never really trusted Wikipedia. Yeah. I know. I I know. know. Yeah. Doing some research for your interview, I looked up your Wikipedia page. And then there was, um, you know, they talked about your dad real quick. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. son of uh, Tsukasa Gushi. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it's it's clickable. So I was like, I wonder what it is. And I clicked on it. And I had no idea that he's like a martial artist. Uh, yeah yeah you know he's on there doing like uh kata with no shirt on i was like oh (laughs) okay Okay. so um my grandpa was actually a martial arts master and then my dad was obviously his student but then he became a master himself and then when i was like eight or nine i was doing it too like i was doing martial arts and i hated it like i completely hated it like like when my grandpa was teaching classes because he would teach in his backyard, in our backyard. Yeah. And he, they would make me do like kata. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> I can totally see you saying that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I hated it. But now that I look back, I wish that I was more into it. Only because it's like, you know, that style of martial arts is kind of a dying breed. And like, I wish I was able to do something with it. But yeah. So I have another deep question for you. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Are you ready? Yeah, but I do want to go back to the Wikipedia thing real quick. Okay, go ahead. Oh, Let's hear it. Yeah, so the reason why I don't trust Wikipedia is because one time I did manage to read on what they wrote about me. And because it was like user submitted, yeah. you know, like data, someone put like, oh, weak sauce drifter from San Gabriel Valley drifting uh... a Nissan Versa or something. I was like, what the hell? Uh... Uh... A Nissan Versa. So then that... That, was, that turned me off from Wikipedia, and ever since, I never really trusted it. That's what I, I think people don't understand, that you can't just trust it because it's on Wikipedia. Yeah. So thank you for that lesson, Ken. <laughs> 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 don't trust everything you read. Yeah, especially the internet. <laughs> okay, so my deep question is, is there a standout moment in your drifting career? And we'll go past just professional career, but like all of it, right? Is there a standout mm-hmm. moment in your drifting career that that is maybe your favorite yeah i mean my most memorable event to date is 2004 i think it was 2004 when they had the yokohama tire international drift shoot at laguna seca and uh hayashida was the hayashida yep you took him out yeah i took him out yeah anyway i won that event (laughs) like a punk like a ten thousand (laughs) dollar (laughs) <laughs> just kidding no you're not no it no, was like but a ten thousand dollars you can't you can't just or something. you can't just mention hayashida because you also took out reese millen and samuel yeah. hubinet yeah and that was huge back then because those guys reese and uh samuel they were in like cars with v8s grip monsters mm-hmm. Um, they were pros before drifting. They were pros already. Yeah. They've been pros already. And they knew how to take the inside line and push all these lower cars, like less engineered cars, out of the way. <laughs> and you'd beat them. And at that time, that was that was insane. No one, I don't, I don't think when you want that, I don't think anyone's beat both of them in a single round. They might lose one round of Formula D here and there. But like yeah. usually those guys were, were winning first and second. Mm-hmm. So that was... That was huge. 
that was huge to me. And, and you know, till this day, I remember that as like one of my biggest moments in my career. And it happened so early on in my career too. Yeah. But it's just had that much of an impact on me that, you know, that's left me talking about it till this day. Hey, if, if you didn't win that, maybe Reese wouldn't have given your name to Ford Racing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe mm. that was the event that led him to led me to Ford. Yeah. Who knows? But that was the biggest cash prize ever, $10,000. It was for one event. Even Formula D doesn't pay that much. What did you do with it? For one event. (laughs) Bought lottery Um, tickets? Well, okay, now it gets sour. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, no, I didn't hear this. That money, money I didn't get to keep. It went to uh, Rotora. That's right. We didn't see any of it. Yep. And That actually was kind of what um, made us fall apart. Yeah, I remember that. I I forgot. Tell me about that. What happened? Oh, well, after winning that event, um, you know, there was no single, like, celebration. There was no, like, anything, which I don't care. Um, now, at least, I don't care. But maybe at the time, I was a little bit, like, sour about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some appreciation and, um, would be nice, yeah. Yeah. And then my dad obviously saw the frustration and how oh. kind of disappointed I was. So, like, it was kind of like our decision to just leave the team and start our own team representing Gucci Auto Repair. Nice. But now at the same time, my dad felt so bad that he decided to pull out 10 grand from his own account Aww. and gift it to me. So Aww. that was Your dad's nice awesome. Account. Jeez. Your yeah, dad, yeah. He's very your dad, awesome. Lots of love from Sukasha. Wow. wow. Yeah. So when you said 2004, Ken, I was hoping, I had my fingers crossed that you were going to talk about the, the RSR Drift event in Chicago where you, me, and Dai were all on the podium together. Yeah, but, yeah. But hey, $10,000 is way cooler than that. <laughs> no, but that was a money, that was a big money event too, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, no, it wasn't a big money event. I didn't. I don't think I got any money for that. Yeah, you did. Benson got money. Yeah, you, you got did. money. Really? Yeah. I think I got... I just remember getting a gigantic trophy. I think I, I got... Benson's trophy is like grand. Or, yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a tiny trophy, but it's my favorite one because I was on the podium with you guys. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I think... I think I got like four thousand, five thousand. Yeah, it's close to really? five. 5K. Yeah, you got money. I don't remember. I don't remember. Shoot. Yeah, Ken's like, oh, well, it's not ten grand. Yeah. So it's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that event, I remember, like after the finish line, there was like a fence. Yeah. Right? And <laughs> yes. every time after I crossed the finish line, I would try to like drift as sideways as I can, clearing that fence. Yep. Yep. And at yeah, the at so the ver- your celebration, you know, when you when they announced you as the winner and they let you like yeah, go yeah. celebrate, you almost wrecked your car. <laughs> you remember that? You spun out and you almost like totally oh, back in the yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think I broke my car. <gasps> oh. Yeah. That, I think that's when my car broke and I had to get out of the car. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. My yeah. my car was broken. I think I had no second gear the whole time. You were driving the yellow one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Good times, guys. That was fun. Yeah, good times. Um, that was Chicago, right? That was Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask um, because I I know that because you are a Japanese speaker, your experience with like some of our heroes coming over from Japan was a little different than the rest of us, right? Because you could communicate with them. You know, people like Koguchi, right? When he would come, I know you you hung out with Koguchi a lot. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what that was like? Because for the rest of us, we cannot fathom hanging out with Koguchi. That's just, mm-hmm. that's insane. 
tell us what that was like. Tell us like uh, what his personality is like. Some of, I, I know yeah. I, you've told me like some of the weird things that he would do. Can you can you fill us in on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, as a native speaker, it was easier for me to communicate with them. And to my surprise, they were actually super chill, down to earth, like level headed, and you know, they didn't they didn't boast themselves as right. like superior to any of us, and they genuinely enjoyed the growing car community in the States. Um, now I remember this one picture I have of all of us at um, Fisherman's Wharf. Mm-hmm. It was just nice because, you know, prior to that, we would only see them on VHS tapes, mm-hmm. option videos, you know, um, Drip Tengoku. And Koguchi was always looking cool. Like no matter what he was doing, he was like smoking a cigarette and like like posing. Like, yeah. was that normal? But Did he always do no, that? <laughs> no, but in person, he was like, he's like you know comedian like he was just always really being silly and like loves alcohol yeah (laughs) being drunk (laughs) Um, seigo on the other hand was the cool guy he was the one that always like portrayed himself as like oh i'm Mm. too cool for you guys yeah but i mean deep down he was he was like cool okay very nice but he always had that image of like oh i'm like badass japanese stripter jzx 100 (laughs) chaser yeah I guess that's a, a turning point too. Like seeing these heroes of ours, you know, only in tapes and videos, and then like being able to actually physically hang out with them, right. talk drifting, drive with them. That's kind of how I wanted to be, and I think that's kind of what's kept me the way I am. Like even if you know we're like the the superstars of drifting, like mm-hmm. normal people are also just as enthusiastic about drifting as we are or even once were. So it's pretty important to me to stay, um, I guess, level-headed. Yeah. And not like, like you said earlier, like being put on a pedestal and looking yeah. down on everyone else. I think... But it's because uh, of those guys, for, for sure. I think that when you are approachable, you make yourself approachable. Mm. That's the most inspiring to people because they can see that that can be them. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Like if no one can come talk to you and and hang out with you or get a ride with you or you know drive with you, they're gonna you know they're gonna feel like to get there is so hard. Like I have mm-hmm. to be someone special or out of this world to be that. But when you portray yourself as just who you are, like you're just a normal guy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. not to downplay you because I think you're great, but um... <laughs> I, I'm normal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, just average. Uh, but yeah, like that inspires the next generation. Yeah, so, I hope so. I yeah. really hope so. So I have some questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Um, okay. So the first one is, uh, do you remember the exact moment you fell in love with drifting? I do. Let's hear it. This was when i um, going back to the story of my dad taking me to El Miraz Dry Lake Bed. Um, but prior to that, my very, very, very first drifting experience was in the passenger seat of his Corolla. We were actually at Mitsua and Torrance. Mm-hmm. And behind Mitsua, there's this one street where you, there's like a street. It's not a dead end street, but it's like an industrial area. Yep. Yeah. And um, the ground was half wet. And he was like, hold on real quick. I'm like, huh? And he like drifted the corner out of nowhere. <laughs> oh my God, that was the coolest thing ever. And I got like super excited. That was just the first time 
Like, he was just like, hold on real quick. And then, like, <laughs> pushed the car sideways. You, you know what that reminds me of? You know the those drug commercials from the 80s where, you know, the dad is getting mad at the son for get, doing drugs? He's like, where'd you learn this from? And then the, the kid's like, I learned it from you, dad. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know because I was a little baby. Yeah, baby. yeah, yeah. No, but, but commercial. <laughs> yeah, I just dated myself. But yeah, you, you learned that from your dad. You can't get I mad did. at you. Is that the yeah. same street from 240SX? Yep, I bet it is. Oh my gosh, Ken. We had so many memories around that street because that's like the first time that Benson and I met and Mark Whoa. met. Yeah, Benson, me, and Mark met at a 240SX owners meeting. Like there. On that side street yeah. at Mitsua. Yeah. So yeah. I think that street's magic. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, started it a lot me of good to stuff. The best thing of my life. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. Okay. Yeah. Um, my next question is, um, when we all got into cars at an early age, uh, we didn't know much about cars yet or, you know, how to work on them properly. Um, is there something dumb that you did on your car because you weren't really experienced with working on cars yet? Well, there's one mod that I could clearly remember. And it was one of my dad's employees from Gucci Auto. He said, do you want your blinkers to turn really fast? Like rapid flash? <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do is cut a ground off the wire. I was like, oh, really? So I ended up doing that. And at the time, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this. But, you know, when you do that, you turn on your turn system. It's like. Yeah. Everyone knew you knew about car or, you know, you were into cars if they saw the fast blinkers. I thought it was cool, but my dad was like, what the fuck did you do that? <laughs> so he had to like, like solder the wire, tape it. He's like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> but yeah, that was probably one of the stupidest things I've as, ever done. As us car. dumb import racers got smarter and more experienced, someone told me that you could just um, kind of unplug the, the light bulb just a little bit <laughs> and it'll sense kind of like a short and it would do it. So you would still have functioning turn signals. But anyway, that's... Whatever. we should try it yeah let's let's bring that back oh, man. i've also um cut stock springs on a toyota cressida oh how much did you cut worst... how much did you uh, cut ken did you cut half to be... like nadine <laughs> did she cut half she really cut i was half. writing bump stuff no she oh. was writing bump stops too oh no but but See? nadine See? no 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 Ken's ken not bad no no ken nope. Nadine went a step worse than that because she's like, I'm hitting bump stops. So then she cut her bump stops. I did. <laughs> I did. I actually did cut those Yikes. in half. In half. Yeah, that's how we hurt your That's what you do. That's what you do, though. Like half. Well, I have a spring. I have a spring at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know Ohara Ken from from Alto is like, just take your springs out. You don't need it. <laughs> he <laughs> would like, say what? that. Yeah, he was he yeah, he was Bosozoku back in Japan. Yeah. But let's see. I'll ask one more. Um who is an inspirational person to you when it came to your involvement with cars or drifting? Um the most inspirational figure would have to be my dad. I mean, as far as I can remember back, I was always following him around the house garage and they even bought me this like kid size one piece jumpsuit. <laughs> like I could like pretend to be like a mechanic and I would I clearly remember like following him around with like wrenches and pliers just hoping for him to ask me to get something for him and um yeah that's that's pretty much all I knew growing up so I just wanted to be something that he was doing like I wanted to follow his footsteps and uh here I am I mean 
I'm doing um, bigger things than he ever did. And I'm sure he's proud of where I am today. But if it wasn't for him, I definitely would not be uh, where I am today. And I definitely wouldn't have met you guys. So Aww, it's crazy yes. how uh, things just happen. I love it. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you, Ken. This has been so great. This walk down memory lane and getting, to, man, I learned a lot of new stuff about Ken, <laughs> naughty boy. I, I didn't count how many <laughs> cop experiences you had. You're so bad. Yeah. This is great. But thank so you so kids much, don't Ken. Do that. Yeah, thank yeah. You guys. These yeah. are, <laughs> this is, Ken did it so you guys don't do it. You know, like, exactly, exactly. yeah. I was an example of what not to do. <laughs> yes yes so if well, you want to take your girls out on dates don't do any illegal street <laughs> oh enough said um thank you so much ken for doing this interview with us i know you're busy you've got a formula d car to build i mean you don't have that much time left so i appreciate you taking some time out reminiscing with us and i think that's my favorite thing about this podcast is you know when we hang out we don't do this. We don't reminisce and go over all these old memories and stuff. And it gives me a chance to do that. And it allows me to record it so your future kids and your grandkids can hear, you know, what Grandpa Gushi was like. Um, <laughs> and I'm really appreciative of uh, what you've done for the culture. Um, Thank you. The, the fact that you've done it for so long and you're the same Ken. You're happy-go-lucky Ken. You're always down for whatever, and you're approachable. And I know that a lot of people look up to you, even though, you know, like some people might think you're celebrity status, and, and you probably are, but it never seems that way. And um, you're, a long, that. you're a longtime friend who never seems to let time get in the way. You know, years can go by without us talking, and when we do, we're always those same old friends that we've always been. And... Um, I can't say that about everyone. So I really appreciate that, that our relationship nice. and yeah. And, um, I'm excited for your future. I'm, I'm glad that you, you keep doing uh, what you love every day and, uh, you don't give up and you have fun with it. So, um, in closing, I, you know, thank you. Please send our love to your dad and mommy Gushi and yep. Hikaru and, and Boba, please. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Yeah, no, thanks for the opportunity. It was, uh, it was definitely a great time catching up and reminiscing about the past. Yeah. All right, Ken. Well, thank you so much for being our second guest on this season of this Lady Mania podcast. And everybody, if you're not already following Ken, which I'm sure you are because he's just, you know, the famous Ken Gushi, you can follow Ken on Instagram at Ken. Gushi and his website kgmsports.com and please follow us on Instagram at Mania and visit our website podcast.saladymania.com this recording will be on YouTube as well along with some fun video footage of the past and so we're going to put Ken's videos up there in our videos and photos and things like that so make sure to listen on YouTube as well. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Please leave a message on our hotline. Leave us your questions or comments and tell us about the first time you fell in love with drifting. Leave your message at 323-607-6075, 323-607-6075. And everyone, we will see you in the next one. <laughs>